Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's most prominent media, we'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Experts Podcast. Nick Hayes here with you. Hello, Nick Hayes. That was an interesting one. I just pointed to your line. And this being such a visual medium, pointing to you to go, Excellent. give me your name. This is Lana Hill from Expert Registry. Oh, wonderful to have you. Joining you this morning. 50% diversity <laughs> here in, in that uh, male-female ratio of the uh, of the hosts of well, the Well, yes, podcast. it depends if you count our guest or not. Wait, that's it. No, 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 no. Wait till we get to our guest. <laughs> Sorry. I think, uh, look, that's that's what I enjoy. I think that's partly why we do pretty well doing this is that that's there is a true. male and female perspective around the media, communications, the experts that we talk to. There certainly is. Because you certainly bring something to the table that I can't bring. <laughs> well, I think so. Thank you, Nick Hayes. <laughs> and I... I certainly bring something to the table that you don't necessarily bring, That's so right. I think it's important. Hey, it is. And look, and just off the back of our last interview podcast, this is a great theme. This is a great opportunity. It is. Tanya Ciccone. Tanya, welcome. CEOs for Gender Equity. Well, .com.au is your email address. Welcome, Tanya. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Lana. I'm delighted to be here. That was a bit long-winded introduction, wasn't it? But well, now, I'm now, used now, to long-winded introduction. Uh, well, <laughs> well, now the diversity's changed up a little bit. It's thirty-three sixty-six percent here now. So uh, you've got you've the, the ladies do have control. I like it, Tanya. You do a very important job, and that's about teaching, educating, and encouraging those uh, organisations to identify and build more female influence and bring females to the top of the game. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Um, it, I don't like to say that I do the work. In fact, I've got to credit my leaders and the CEOs who do the work. We simply plant the seed. And, of course, uh, the way we reframe gender equity, gender equality, is that um, it's better for business. Having better balance delivers better business at the end of the day. Is right now a, an incredible time for you? Because I don't think I have ever seen it uh, in the recent months where what's going on in federal politics, what's going around as a movement that uh, identifying the involvement of women in business and also to understanding what is also going behind the scenes, what issues women have had to go through to get to the top. Is this now a, a pinnacle time for you? I, I can't say it's a pinnacle time for me, but certainly it's we're enjoying our own hashtag MeTe movement. So it's yeah. a pinnacle time for all women and for all organisations to take note and listen up. I think everyone's on notice right now. It is. It is, Lana, isn't it? Because I think, you know, I get the sense and feel. And just off the back of the interview that we did with Dr. Catherine Shine last yeah. week, just talking about uh, women experts, female experts in the media globally, you know, representing less than 30% yep. uh, of the expertise that's running around. 
that is a complete and utter imbalance. Oh, totally. Yeah, and the, the one of the sayings I really love in you know um, in relation to all of this is you can't be what you can't see, and I think it's so important in media and in all kinds of media, not just news media, which was obviously the focus of Dr. Catherine's study. But um, yeah, I think whether it's you know board board members, whether it's CEOs, whether it's experts in the media, you know we've just got to get women out there on a far bigger platform than what they are. So Tanya, tell us a little bit about what you do. You, you say that it's your members that do all the hard work. You're just there guiding, helping, supporting, facilitating. So what is it that you actually do for your members? I suppose at the end of the day, when I talk about our members, it's uh, they're the ones who employ large numbers of people, mostly men. They're organisations that were set up by men for men, and that's not a criticism. So we work with them to identify, um, well, to increase awareness of what the opportunities are around having more women. We increase the understanding of uh, reframing the debate uh, from away from it's a battle of the sexes to away from it's all about pursuing gender equality just for the sake of it. But rather, we need gender balance because ultimately women influence 75 cents to 80 cents in every dollar. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. We Women influence 75 cents to... Tell me, tell me how that works. Well... It's not just on handbags and shoes. No. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yep. It's so, buying houses. It's, it's so many big, big ticket items. Isn't that hello, right? Hello, hello. So yep. it's cars, it's yep. houses. And how many women do you know have gone or, or are too scared to enter a car yard because of the way that they're treated mm. by the mostly male salespeople? So it's about recognising that women influence 75 cents to 80 cents in every dollar and, yeah, big ticket items. But also, even if we're not buying iron ore or coal, we're still influencing procurement through large procurement chains. Sure. So I've heard literally women talk about which um, mining services company they will buy yellow, big, heavy haulage trucks from based on how they are dealt with on the other side of the phone. Yeah. It is. That is incredible, isn't it? When you when you think of it and you look like, – now I'm thinking about my own – uh, workings at home and our purchases, our major purchases. Uh, look, I don't really have much of a say at all, um, you know, and that would be the fact that uh, uh, the person holding the purse strings uh, is my wife and she does make most of the financial decisions there for, for the way the family operates. Take that further down into business. Businesses have got to learn this is what's going on in the world. Um, <laughs> It's, it's not a big man's world anymore, or was it? Was it ever? Was it ever? <laughs> so, what kind of organisations do you work with, Tanya? You said you know these these businesses that are set up for men by men. Can you give us an, some examples? Well, have a look at Clough, um, a, a big engineering firm. Mm. Have a look at South Thirty Two. Yep. Um, as wow. a spin off from uh, BHP. Have a look at our Rio Tinto. Have a look at um, even our smaller firms like government agencies like the Department of Plans Land. And, um, lands and Heritage. Gail McGowan, as the Director General, was the first non-planner to head up that agency. Wow. Oh. Yeah, that, that's incredible. And when you say small organisation and you pull off a big department like that, geez, it makes our members at Media Stable look a little bit small. But no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all comparative though. But when you are, you're dealing with a lot of people. Is the uh, Are the shackles still on, though, for big business to um, continue to uh, look at uh, a male or a female executive? Is the glass ceiling still sitting there uh, in big business and industry? Are we changing it all, Tanya? Well, to your 
earlier question, Nana, like how do we work with leaders then? So we don't subscribe to the notion that a glass ceiling um, is actually part of the problem. And what I mean by that is that when we refer to the glass ceiling, we often talk about, you know, women um, face this glass ceiling and how can they break through it? That's what that imagery invokes. True, yeah. As if this is a woman's issue. This is not Mm. a woman's issue. Again... Because the opportunity for purchasing power is so resides with women, how can a homogenous group of men of a certain age, of a certain background, dictate a strategy in terms of how to tap into that in, into that pink purse, if you like, yep. or to that pink spending? So then we don't believe at all that this is a woman's issue. It's about – so that's why we don't invoke those, those types of, you know, um, sayings, if you like. Language. Yeah, language. Yeah, it's really important. We see this as a, as a leader's issue. Most leaders in WA are male, so therefore they're the ones that have to do the heavy lifting. So it's about them recognising uh, um, that if they want to be uh, more productive, um, more inclusive, if they want to deliver a better business, uh, better business outcomes for their members, for their clients, for their communities, for their own staff, they need to be more inclusive. They need better balance at the top. I love it. I love it. Um, and what about in the case, because I think uh, some cases women, sometimes they're their own worst enemies. They can really bring each other down. I, I think, you know, I look across um, a lot of the smaller organisations and networking groups that are very, you know, pump up the tyres, you know, hoo-ha, women power, let's get involved. <laughs> and then there's just, you know, uh, criticism. I mean, I, I, and social media is rife with it. Uh, you only have to look at some of the biggest business leaders uh, that are female. It, it seems they rise to the top and they're very quickly, easily shot down. Um, is that an issue there? Is, do women actually worry about other women or is it, a, it? am I just reading too much into that and seeing that that is a bit of a shot that some women don't like seeing other women successful? Look, that's a really good question, Nick. And uh, quite often uh, in the media, you'll see you'll see evidence of that. And at the end of the day, a lot of people say, "Oh, women are women's worst enemies because women can be bitches." I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. You're allowed yeah. to say that. Okay. You can say all kinds of so words on the experts podcast. <laughs> I get away with it all the time. Well, I don't want to make you blush, Nick. But uh, <laughs> please do, Tanya. <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, women um, tearing down women isn't the reason why more women aren't at the top. Yeah. So we're talking about the systemic barriers, okay? Yeah. So you will always have incidences like that. But at the end of the day, when we have men performing badly, we don't criticise them for being bitches. And the way we saw you know, the, the Prime Minister take down Christine Holgate in yeah. such a public and excruciating manner, I mean, that had to be a gender issue. I mean, that was just... I wanted to use that as an example. I think Christine Holgate is a classic example of a uh, head of the Australia Post, um, so publicly put down by the, the, the top bloke in the country, and then no apology or no even recognition of what his influence had on that whole affair there. I, I'm, I'm shocked by that. And I, I look back to at the timing of it. I love those that have retracted or at least or even attempted to retract. I mean, the leader of the uh, uh, ALP, the leader of the opposition, was just as ruthless at the time and yet has sort of stepped back and said, oh, well, the, you gave me no other, uh, uh, no other uh, course of action than to do that because of what the Prime Minister said. Not good enough. Mm. Just not good enough. Look, as an armchair, you know, um, you know, sides, you know, spectator and commentator, 
commentator on these <laughs> issues. I, I really think, you know, she was a scalp, but at the end of the day, you know, th- that Morrison had to give because of what had transpired in the lead up to that. Mm. But at the end of the day, the way he took it down was absolutely ruthless and I think that was definitely based on gender. So yeah. we, we don't like to call out that behaviour, but we always like to refer to women as bitches. And again, that is not the reason why senior why we don't see more senior women in in senior roles yeah really well said tanya i think a lot of the issue too and i think scomo is a great example is this sort of casual accidental sexism you know like there's of course there's probably a group of of people men and women out there that are really outspokenly sexist or racist or whatever the you know the issue is um but there's a lot of people in the middle that just have these casual kind of you know ideas around where where women should be or mm. how things should be done. And because they're not coming out there and being really aggressive with it, they'll say, oh, no, but, you know, I don't really mean it in a sexist way. But it is, I think, calling out those beliefs. And a lot of them, you know, are really long-held and generational even. But it's important to do. Well, and again, from the way that we work, we don't look to change society, Lana. We just focus on the workplace. Mm. Okay? So really, with respect, I don't care what happens at home. Yeah. Nick, Lana, I really, you know, you're entitled to live the way you, you want. And uh, we just simply appeal to workplaces to become more progressive because ultimately society has caught up. Society is demanding more. Hence the backlash yeah. to what yep. we're seeing in terms of that, what you call, you know, the sexual, um, sorry, the casual sexism. Yeah. Um, there is a backlash to that. And so we're saying that society has, in fact, caught up. Women have been graduating in higher numbers over the last 30 years. Women have been staying at school for much longer than men. Women have been joining the workforce in huge numbers just over in the last 30 years. So this is a seismic shift in a very short amount of time. So it's time we're simply asking workplaces to catch up, to become more progressive. Love it. Love it. It it is an interesting – and it was also raised by Dr Catherine Shine in that – women far out uh, outnumber men in the journalism courses. In yep. fact, you know, when you look at it, it's almost two to one. It was overwhelming. It yeah. was overwhelming. But yet, if you looked in the media, the, the complete and utter dominance of male uh, journalists or presenters, broadcasters, was, was just compl- – that, that wasn't right. I mean, it just didn't seem to make sense. But uh, media does have that uh, male dominance when it comes to the, the big-ticket uh, seats. Um, Tanya, I'm, I'm, I love the fact that you just concentrate on the workplace and, you know, you can only fight so many battles. You can't fight all the, you can't fight the war uh, on so many battlefronts, but on that battle. Are we winning that battle? Are you getting there? Uh, that's a really good question. And look, if I reflect on from when I started, Nick, um, remember, I don't have a background in any of this. What is your background? Yeah, good question. <laughs> well done, Nick Hayes. Well, I'd, I'd like to think I've done this once or twice before. What, what, what is your background, Tanya? I've got a background in the public sector. Oh, yeah. well, that so important everything. though. Yeah, to- <laughs> well, that does explain everything because you've, you've been subject in the public sector. Look at the public sector and the way that's been set mm, up. You yeah. have been subject to that from day one. Well, look, I really enjoyed my time in the public sector and I was a senior executive um, uh, leader within the public sector running my own uh, division, um, a training division at a TAFE college. And, of course, when I started this work, I warned the CEOs interviewing me, look, I don't have a background in any of this. I don't have a background in nature. I'm just a generalist. Mm. And I um, am not a feminist. 
And Deirdre Wilmot was on my interview panel and she said, Tanya, well, what is one thing you've done for women? I said, well, I haven't done anything for women. <laughs> well, like, what do you mean? And because I so eschewed the label of being a feminist and, mm. yeah. and the rah-rah brigade. But, of course, then when I reflected on my time when I was at TAFE, I had uh, the largest division, I inherited the smallest division, and I inherited a division that was bleeding resources and bleeding money. They'd had a huge turnover of um, senior leaders in that division as well. So I managed to turn that around, but I did it with the help of the 60 or so women I had in my team. And I remember a couple of women coming to me saying, Tanya... Um, I'd like to go to my daughter's or my children's school sporting carnival. Can you sign off on my application for time off in lieu? I said, I beg your pardon? I said, have you always had your leader sign off on this? And they said, yes. I said, that's ridiculous. You already work, you know, 40 hours and four days for me. You don't have to receive any approval from me to go and attend to family obligations like this. Mm. So I don't want to see any of these applications anymore. I trust you to manage your time and how we get from A to B is entirely up to you as long as it's safe and, and as long as it's ethical. And here's your budget and here are your targets. Off you go. It awesome. Would have been revolutionary at the time though. It was. Yeah. It so was. And this is about 15, just under 15 years ago. So we shifted the division and the focus by focusing on outcomes. So when I speak to leaders, more mature leaders understand that an outcome focus delivers flexibility. It delivers um, discretionary effort. And I don't mean discretionary effort in terms of extra hours. I mean discretionary effort about doing the right thing yeah. versus just doing things right. Yeah. Massive shift. And they loved it. And as a result, we were you know, the highest performing division as a result. You weren't Amazing. Pu- you weren't pushed out of the public sector union after that, were you? Or in it, you were, that, <laughs> That's that, how that, I got that, my first grey hair. That would have been too much. <laughs> that would have been too much for them. That would have been... Well, having said that, I did involve the union very closely in when we had um, 24 internal positions, promotional positions go up. Uh, I I included the union. That was my target project at an executive level to ensure that we got the right talent to the top. In fact, I had to remove myself from the process because I could see my team was going to win the majority hands down based on the feedback from my peers. I had to remove myself. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Tanya, I want you to hit on something so interesting there in saying that you don't, maybe didn't or still don't consider yourself to be a feminist. And I totally hear you. But before I get on my little soapbox, I want to ask you that question. Do you now consider yourself to be a feminist or not as much? Well, I'm really disappointed with myself today for not wearing the (gasps) T-shirt. What's the T-shirt? Feminism. Yeah. I think that's so interesting though because, I, and I know myself, I uh, used to align the word feminist with being a man-hating feminist and I couldn't align myself with that. And then, you know, you have to reframe the word, obviously. Uh, one of my really good guy mates, he said, we're all, we all have to be feminists because ultimately a feminist is just someone that is for equality, you know. Absolutely, equal yeah. opportunity. And I love that because... Um, and I talk. I do a fabulous fun exercise with um, my groups, and I use it as a warm up. And uh, what I do is I get uh, everyone in the room, and I've done it with in a room with two hundred people. I did it um, all, all sorts of groups, but anyway, I get them to take a stand on feminism from zero to ten. So stand zero if you don't subscribe to it. Take take a stand at ten if you're a bra burner. 
And, what's, <laughs> and it's so much fun. And then I use it to tell my own journey, how I started as a zero, because when I was an exec, my CEO wanted to send me to all the rah-rah events. And I've got to say, those rah-rah events are heaps of fun mm. because you get to meet loads of women, you get to hear their wonderful stories. What I didn't enjoy, though, was men or women telling other women what to do without understanding the nuance of their particular situation. Really mm. good point. And we also know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. So we're being asked to lean in, stand up and ask for more all the time. But the research shows and experience tells us that that doesn't work for us. It doesn't. It's not in our favour. Nevertheless, I tell the journey and then of my own progression toward feminism. And like I say... You know, I don't hate men. I love men, not all men, and not at the same time. <laughs> Can I quote you? <laughs> I wear pink, I wear pearls, and I'm a big believer in equal opportunity for men and for women, yeah. for men and for women, and that still is reconcilable with me being a feminist. Love it. Yeah. Do you think your background has sort of set you up beautifully for this? I think, you know, when we look at politicians that have been in the political sphere for almost all of their lives, there's no practical experience outside has this set you up to do this perfectly in that you have worked in the public sector you didn't classify or see yourself as a feminist you you came at it from different angles in fact you almost had to be sort of you know tapped on the shoulder say actually this is what you're really doing Tanya Uh, should you be doing this for you should do this for a living yeah, that's interesting. I think, do you know what? The, the number one thing that has set me up for this, I think, and I'm not saying that I'm great at it. I'm just saying I, I do enjoy it. Um, it's been five years, though, but I think the only thing that really set me up for it, well, a few things. Number one, it was being at an executive. Yeah, Working at an executive level and understanding and appreciating the complexity of balancing competing interests and competing priorities. You can't do it all at once. Mm. Number two, affecting change by recognising that these issues that we're talking about are in fact transformational. They require transformation uh, and they require commitment from the top. And the other thing that I think that really sets me up for this is I think potentially coming from a migrant family. Ah, mm, Italian, the Italian side is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, 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 what is... Well, I was really lucky that mum and dad, um, the, 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 they both, they're both um, migrants. They both met here. But I think um, growing up in an environment that typically most people expect Italians to be pretty conservative, um, where I really enjoyed that opportunity where my parents weren't conservative, uh, very liberally minded, um, and really, because I suppose we were raised in the lucky country, they always believed that any opportunity was yours. But what I mean by that is they recognised the power of inclusion and I always felt very included. Wow. I'm not saying that experience is the same for everyone. Yep. Yeah, but I, it was a real shock to me to learn that, in fact, not everyone had a no-no or not everyone had a no-no. Wow. <laughs> Hats off to your parents, though, hey? Yeah. They obviously really, uh, you know, impacted your lens and your perspective they, in such a positive way. Yeah, well, one of my earliest memories was when we had a black African woman as our receptionist and someone bowed up my mother and said, do you know she's black? And my mother just promptly marched him out the door. Nice work, Mum. Go, Mum. Yeah, absolutely. So we were really lucky and also part of the engagement we had with local Aboriginal communities. Yeah, we, were, we always had Aboriginal um, customers and uh, they, yeah, I never heard um, any disparaging remarks made of, made of our um, 
Aboriginal friends and community. They, my parents were really well regarded by local community. So That's much so awesome. they used to bring damper to my parents on bread strike days. Oh, Yum. not bread strike days. Damper, love I'm it. Showing my age. Now, <laughs> it's damper. Damper's good. Damper's good. Now this is a media podcast. We must be remiss of us not yes. to talk about your media and what you've done. You've had some great media. Yeah, cracking media. Channel Nine, ABC, Stateline, The West Australian, The Sunday Times, Business News. Oh God, ABC Twenty Six PR. Heard a cracking interview on you on Six. PR, didn't hold back, loved it. Which is your medium? Which is the medium that you prefer to converse with? You can say all if you like. Yeah, well, I, well, yeah, well that's a really good question, Nick. Um, and look, I'll be really frank. I find the media, the radio interviews really, really hard because you've got just a short amount of time to convey your message. Sure. So I find that hard in as much that um, I enjoy the challenge to refine my messages and to repeat the same yeah. points and to reframe the question. I think that's when you were referring to the discussion with Leon Bartlett. Oh, Leon Bartlett. That, oh, yes, that, that was, was a, a banger, yeah. <laughs> yep, didn't hold back. So I... I <laughs> Find my 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 media advisor, my chief media advisor, which was my mother. <laughs> that Nona, she, she's doing a lot of good work. Yeah, I can what tell a you. legend! <laughs> and she said, "Tanya, you sound just like a politician. You just reframed perfectly every single time he asked he asked a difficult question." Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So I enjoy that challenge, but I do find radio probably the most challenging. Mm. Most challenging. Mm. I think you, you should probably look back into that because you're actually very, very good at it. And I think probably for radio, Lana, I've, I've always sort of felt that if particularly with issues as hot as this and that can get either uh, a little bit directed or emotional or could throw down lines that don't go the right way, they're a great chance to, to get stuck into it because yeah. this isn't short-form media. You can do four to five minutes, six minutes of radio and the reaction can be big with talkback as well. I, I think that the radio is your perfect medium. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think sometimes, as, as Nick said, you know, it was something I, I learned um, not early on. It took me a while to get more comfortable and confident in it. But you you can take a strong, a really strong stance, particularly on radio. I feel not as much on TV. Well, TV, um, TV gets a little bit too constructed. Yeah, exactly. They're looking for that six or seven second grab that just won't necessarily always be what you want to be said. Uh, but uh, it doesn't give you that opportunity to fully develop it. Get stuck in, yeah. No, I've, I've been on radio with you a few times where, you, where you've got stuck in. But I think as long as you're really <laughs> eloquent and, you know, well informed about it, which you clearly are, Tanya. I reckon it's um, – people love listening to people get stuck into our politicians. <laughs> well, well, it sounds like I gave someone a hard time. I wasn't that challenging, was no, I? No, no, you no. were. But I tell you what, uh, <laughs> Liam Bartlett, Leon sometimes Leon. referred to as, uh, he can be quite challenging yes. in his approach. Indeed. And, but it's it's more around um, you stuck to your guns and mm. you didn't give him a, 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 an inch. Uh, sometimes when you give someone like Liam a, an inch, he'll take a mile for sure. Absolutely. Where, what is the future there for CEO diversity? Is it more members? Is it building your community? Is it taking it outside of the state? Is it? Are you outside the state? Do you do the work uh, around the country? Okay. Yeah, really good questions. Thank you. So there's a couple of things that we have been doing uh, recently, but as we became um, incorporated um, 
two years ago, there's a couple of things we've now focused on. We're doing more deep dives within businesses. So we're working closely with CEOs who are interested in deepening their commitment. We're working with their frozen middle and we're developing the capacity of their leaders to engage middle managers more, to ensure they're holding their leaders to account at all levels around uh, increasing and achieving gender balance. Fantastic. So we're doing that a lot more. So we're taking those conversations we have the, with the CEO down to the, well, with all of the executive leadership team and then with a couple of layers below. And then also I do one-to-one coaching with those hiring managers. Right. So they'll come to me with their org structure and they go, look, Tanya, look at all the women I've got here. And I go, yeah, that's fabulous. But I see the biggest risk here in your org structure is you still don't have any women reporting to you. Yes. So it's not good enough to have lots of women in junior levels. We need them in senior levels. Absolutely. And Tanya, can I throw this one in? Because I would imagine that a lot of businesses think they're doing this very well that they think that just because they have a high volume of women in a particular space and that they, they go, look at, look at me, look at me, Tanya, look how well I'm doing. But then realising that maybe those people reporting or even the management uh, opportunities that they have or responsibilities they have are not nearly at a level there that are reflective of society or even that future purchaser that does take 80 cents of the dollar. Yeah, and reflecting on that, a lot of our, look, the best leaders I find and the ones that we are really fortunate to work with are the ones that certainly are progressive, but they're progressive in all dimensions. But what I find are the the indications of their uh, progressiveness to gender equity is that they show a great deal of humility. Yeah. They say, look, we're nowhere there yet. Yeah. So no one is boasting at all, not the ones that I'm working with. Number two, they show a great deal of honesty. They say, geez, it's really hard and I have stuffed up along the way and I just want to do better. And they show an immense level of curiosity. So they're the ones who are really, I believe, are progressive. So it's beyond the numbers. They actually want to make a difference. So that, um, so I find, yeah, they're really more receptive and it's with a real earnestness. Well, look, we've got all these women here. They just haven't recognised that there is an opportunity to to build leadership at the top. And the other thing is, though, I've got to say, our whole sector, though, I believe, has done a disservice to a lot of these leaders. We're obsessed with pipeline. Yeah. We're obsessed with young women. And that is not going to solve the issue because like your friend Catherine Shine has identified, there's a huge pipeline of talent coming through journalism. The same way there's a huge pipeline of talent coming through law and accounting firms. We still don't have senior women in senior roles. They're still not adequately, they're still not represented at the same levels in partnership. So that speaks more to pipeline. Yes. I'm confident if our resources companies and construction company, particularly the progressive leaders that I see, had that same pipeline coming through in their sectors, there's no way they would have that imbalance that accounting and law firms have. Oh, God, yeah, I like it. <laughs> hey, um, I've got to throw one at you. I've got to throw yeah, yeah. this curveball oh, one. But there's one more thing oh. I want to talk about the future. Yeah. If I may. Please. We're launching a Change Champions Coalition here in WA. So that's Male Champions of Change. Right. Yep, so we're launching... Oh, I love that. Yeah, launching a chapter here in WA. So what, bringing men in who are actively doing this, actively well, changing it, is focused male on male? Male Champions of Change is a global initiative set up by Liz Broderick. Right. Okay, so she's the one that, um, you know, tapped Lieutenant General David Morrison on the shoulder and said, you blokes can do better. <gasps> and that's what CEOs for Gender Equity was the genesis, genesis of. And basically, she's an, she runs a national organisation and we've been invited to head up a chapter here in WA. Oh, but exciting. it has a national focus and a global focus and it's for resources and construction. 
Oh, fantastic. Running out, of, running out of complete time, but I really want to <laughs> throw this one at you. Um, uh, quotas, bad word, good word. I love anything that encourages you know, the measurement and focus on results. Ooh, good answer. Great I answer. I don't know whether I got a yes or no on that. <laughs> no, that was a bit of that politician answer there, but that's, I respect. That's what Liam Butler had to put up with that day. <laughs> that was very good. Nonna, Nonna, stop teaching Yeah, yeah, Tanya. what a legend. That was gold. Very what a, good. What a note to end on. Oh, well, you, it, but it is, it's, it's one that always pops up and it's probably, and, and, and the fact that we've got so much else to talk about mm. to, to have that as the last point. Hey, not a bad one, Lana. Ah, uh, yes. I I think we've had a very strong theme here over the last two podcasts, and I've got to say, um, being 33% representative of the last two podcasts <laughs> but for the male, I feel very proud to actually be a part of it because I think that the movement has to continue. It does. And it's not just words, it's actions. And yep. I think we've got to see more of it. Tanya Ciccone, thank you for coming in. CEOs for Agenda Equity. If people want to get in contact with you, how can they do that? On LinkedIn or um, via yeah, the website. Well done. And that's Ciccone, Italian Ciccone. Mi dispiace, non lo so. Bravo. Bravo, bravo. Va bene, va bene. Uh, well, that's another one for the Experts Podcast. Tanya Ciccone in the house, uh, CEOs for Gender Equity. And that is a really a powerful message, Lana. Uh, can I catch you next week? Can we yeah. continue on with this 50% diversity in the hosting of the Experts Podcast? You may, Nikos. And we look forward to having your company next week. You have been listening to the Experts Podcast powered by Media Stable. To get in touch with the team, head to the Media Stable website, mediastable.com.au.